before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. Even though we live abroad, as women of Indian origin, we have a common thread that binds us together because of our strong cultural background. NRI Women is a platform for women to share their stories and experiences on various topics. Our podcast is about inspiring NRI women and their amazing stories. Some of the stories we've covered include growing up in a joint family in India, adopting a child as a single woman, and rebuilding one's life after the loss of a child. Take a listen. We hope you'll be inspired or learn something new. I'm Bettina. And I'm Lenora. And we're the voices behind NRI Women Podcast. We're all heart. Just look for NRI Woman wherever you get your podcasts or find us at nriwoman.com. New episodes come out every Monday. Make sure you subscribe. Living lives of glamour. Hear that? Perhaps too. That should be our new theme song. I really <laughs> like that because that's our new motto. Yes. Hello, everyone. We're here. Are we recording? Yeah, we oh, are. We've good. been recording for a while. Oh, okay. We're here. It's me, Liz. Me, Samantha. We are an Unsolved Mysteries rewatch podcast, but after learning of a certain course maker, we have a, a different focus. We've dedicated our lives to glamour. <laughs> now we're drinking polar water floats. Yes. The height of glamour. So if you... Out of weird old cups. Who died so that you could own these cups? I don't know, but thank you to them. <laughs> I went to the snooty pastry shop today because it may have been Samantha's birthday on Friday. It sure was. Today is Sunday. And I bought bread shaped like a heart. And some desserts and i walked out of there like i'm the richest bitch in town we are having a wonderful night. i'm gonna put cheers pol- to liz i'm gonna put polar water and on ice in an ice bucket because <laughs> that's how we live now we maybe used a few mm-hmm. patreon dollars to order some polar 12 packs of polar water off boxed.com uh shout out to box you are the real mvp because we can't get the fancy flavors of polar water around here but i can order them online so we got the valentine's special edition yeah that's how we roll now. Plug your ears if you don't want spoilers about what these flavors are. <laughs> water spoilers. The black Attention, ones. Attention, water spoilers ahead. The black one, the black label, the ones that are dedicated to people who don't like Valentine's Day, is blackberry champagne. And the red labeled polar waters are raspberry peach. Yeah. I, I mean, I. It's not the best polar water I've had, but I still like it. I honestly am I'm not a huge fan of the Valentine's ones. They're fun. I like them. We can get blackberry around here, so it doesn't feel quite as special to me. I, I do really like the like frowny heart graphic on the bottle. Really appreciate that. I also ordered the winter variety, and if you can still get your hands on those, let me tell you, I don't know what a cloudberry is, but the hibiscus cloudberry <laughs> is so delicious. I could drown in it and die happy. Right wow. now I'm drinking. That's quite. Again, does do any of these bitches pay us one goddamn cent? No. <laughs> no. Here we are freely advertising polar water right and now. And boxed and I don't even know what. I know. I'm drinking blackberry clementine uh, in my float right now. I ran out of sorbet, but it's still. There's more in the, there's more in the freezer, darling. So good. <laughs> don't trouble yourself. <laughs> Only the finest haagen raspberry sorbet for you. <laughs> Just so. waiting in the freezer. I Happy birthday were- to Samantha. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I know. But we should do this every week, though. Well, we kind of have been. I mean, last week we did. I Yeah. I think this is the only way to podcast now. I really agree with you. Sip, sip, sip. Oh, yes. 
This must be the listener's favorite part of the show where we describe what we're eating and drinking while we record. But look. I don't know. I feel like drinking is a big part of other podcasts. It's not a part of our podcast. It's just funny. There are some people who the whole shtick of their podcast is they're drunk while they're doing it. Except so. that we're drinking seltzer water. <laughs> So, I don't know, maybe if you quit drinking, this would be a great podcast for you sure, to listen to. Like, sure. We, you don't need alcohol to have fun. You just need a flavored polar water. <laughs> and maybe some sorbet. Yeah, exactly. Hey, it is fun. And Mac was like, oh, this brie will be gone before I get downstairs. And I was like, thanks, Mac. <laughs> will it be? Yeah. But, what, you, know, you know what? He refused to come on the show and help us out with the last mystery. So, he was like, he, well, had it he was like, do you really need me to? He like, we kind of did, but <laughs> he so, so much did not want to because I was I watching this late last night and I hadn't given him any time to do research. <laughs> yes. So, he was like, uh, do you really? And I was like, fine, Mac, but I don't understand what the hell's going no, on. Heads up, it's my mystery. I watched it this morning. <laughs> I don't know what's going on and I didn't take notes. So, it's going to be terrible. <laughs> Perhaps it's you. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps I'm just gonna it's use it. I'm gonna use the excuse that it's my birthday weekend. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Maybe you I'll can kill continue a man. to use. Whatever. <laughs> I might be using that excuse for a couple of weeks. We'll see. Delicious polar water float. All right. Do we have any updates? The update is that our lives have gotten way better. <laughs> A very important update. Uh, yeah, it's been polar vortex week here oh, in the Midwest. My God. There was literally a day where basically you could not go outside. No, you might have died. <laughs> there was frostbite warnings. I hope everyone stayed warm. It's they, I heard from people in some other places. We have a few Canadian listeners. Sounds like it was real cold up there as well. I hope everyone was, didn't have... I hope that... You did what many employers did around here, which is close down or allow their employees to work from home. Even, if you're an employer that didn't shame on you because... Yeah, yeah. You're not, if you are in charge of that and you did not close, you are not allowed to listen to this podcast. Fuck you. They stopped mail service, which never, ever, ever happens. The bars in Wisconsin closed. That's how you know I was really serious. Yeah. It was colder here than in on Mars. Yep. Than in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. On the top of Mount Everest. <laughs> so everybody fucking stayed inside, but now I feel like everybody is a little Look, we've gotten on like, edge. Well, that and everyone is fucking throwing their coats in their closet and going outside in short sleeves because it's like 37 degrees out. I, okay. I saw a man in khaki shorts and a t-shirt walking down the street on my way here i'm like dude it is not that warm i drove past a woman in a sp- spaghetti strap tank top <laughs> and nothing like that in jeans no coat she was holding her coat it was like oh it's so warm i'll just wear essentially nothing i posted like no it's not that warm i so i posted this at our facebook group because it was so funny to me i went out to lunch with my mom on my birthday which was friday and the heat wave didn't come the 40 degrees did not arrive until saturday so it was like 10 12 degrees on friday we stepped out of her house and she goes wow it's nice out 10 degrees several people told me how nice like get out and enjoy the weather it's 10 degrees <laughs> yes yeah, not warm this is like stockholm syndrome right now it is yes it's like no liz it's actually very nice get out there and enjoy it while you can but groundhog didn't see a shadow early spring 
God, I hope so. Me too. Even though we barely had we a really winter, that was like all we had. I don't care. Look, those two days were winter enough for a lifetime. <laughs> it was so cold. We went and, you know, that weekend before, Mac and I went and stocked up on food so that we wouldn't have to really like leave the house. And by the end of that like shopping trip, it was just like getting to be panda moment where people were just like scooping stuff into uh-huh. their car. I was just like, oh my God. It was awful. I have a dog that's basically a little greyhound. She has no hair. So every trip outside was putting on booties and a little jacket and she had to wear this little hoodie all week and oh we've just been kicking our dogs outside oh my god well this is what happens my dogs dilly dally too much did that work every time no did they definitely <laughs> did Lenny definitely well fuck this and just pee in the house <laughs> Look, yeah you can't happened. really blame him you know, he probably was like i'm gonna get frostbite on my feet bitch like yeah I'm just going to pee in your goddamn house. I do not care. My dogs could easily run outside, pee, come back inside. But what do they do? They spend a lot of time sniffing around. (laughs) And then their feet get cold. And they're suddenly like hopping on two legs. And it's like, dog, this is not your first winter. Have you not figured this out? No, they don't. No. Sometimes Lenny or Curtis wants to be let out. I open up the back door. And then they look at me like, no, the other outside. Like, I would like to go to the outside I like. (laughs) Not this sucky outside. Like, I don't control the weather. I, I, I get your dog. Maybe you don't understand that. But I think sometimes I think there's like, a no, no, the, the other Where's door. the other door that takes me to, to the, the better outside the, I like? The one with squirrels and grass. Yeah. Well, we've survived. We did. It's been a, it's been a weird week. Uh, baseball player Jose Canseco started randomly tweeting about how aliens have time travel technology but that our bodies can't physically handle it because we refuse to like change our composition and it like i (laughs) this was out of nowhere (laughs) my eyes just started to get squintier and squintier as liz was saying that That, like basically time travel is possible but our bodies can't handle it and they're the, the aliens want to share this technology with us but we refuse to change our body composition which i wasn't aware was something we had like so much control over yeah we're is it that we're refusing to or that we can't i just I know absolutely nothing about sports. Nothing. But no, today is Super Bowl Sunday. And I, I did, did I not- even know until yesterday? <laughs> nope. I didn't either. Someone in the, po- the podcast told me. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's now. Yeah, they were asking if it was too fancy to serve champagne floats <laughs> at their Super Bowl party. I'm like, fuck no. Also, the Super Bowl <laughs> the is Super this Bowl? Oh, Well, Cardi B is not even performing. So it's God just going to be fucking Maroon 5. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was I going to talk about? Oh, Jose Canseco. Yeah, this it's alien like revelation. One of the few sports people who I know who he is because he was in this baseball episode of The Simpsons like 20 years ago. That's how I know who his sports person is. So I was like, oh, that's what happened to Jose Canseco. <laughs> All right. Okay. Look, maybe he's right. I don't know. Did he? Is he going to reveal how we change our body composition or what? Oh, not enough specifics. Yeah. Jose Canseco, we need more. Yeah, give us some more. Maybe I would... Is, would I die if I change my body composition or would I have no side effects? Because... I think you would just be able to time travel, it well, seems like. Then I want... I Maybe I'll give it a try. I want some more info before I decide. He seems to have all the answers. He's holding he back. Seems, he seems... He, a retired baseball player with all the answers about <laughs> alien time travel. Jose Canseco. Let us know. What, what is the, what? the internet's what? reaction to this? Uh, hilarity. <laughs> I Just, there, it's also the week that Ariana Grande thought she was getting a tattoo that said seven rings in kanji, but doesn't understand how kanji works. So she accidentally got a tattoo that says a type of small charcoal grill, <laughs> which amuses me. 
to no end and now she's like mad people are like making fun of her about it oh white people come on i thought what did you think was gonna happen i thought we stopped doing this yeah 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 i was telling samantha because oh my god does this amuse me that i once stumbled upon this blog that i wish i could find again that was literally just white people with kanji tattoos asking them to be translated by someone who you know can actually reach kanji and that person was fucking brutal so everything would be like this is rubbish you're a fool like 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 their translation would be like this means absolutely nothing you're just another white idiot would be like their response it was the greatest oh my god look if you somehow know where that is on the internet and can post it in the facebook group you will be the hero of the day maybe we'll send you some stickers also should i get a tattoo that i know means fried rice (laughs) to show my deep vast love of chinese food oh my god but then i find out it actually means like this white person's an idiot (laughs) which i actually i'd be okay i mean is it it well it's well deserved yeah all right that was a little bit of a tangent but i'm just i'm trying to set the scene for this week and that it's been it's been weird it's been weird cold has gone to lots of people's heads and no one's gone to ours we're coming out of it but it takes a little while to unthaw look i I have one (laughs) it's true also did i have all fucking week that i could have watched this because i was literally stuck inside yes Mm -hmm. did i not watch it until late last night yeah, also, yeah. Did I watch it this fucking morning? <laughs> yeah. Has Amazon not yet released the newest episode of Drag Race All Stars? And it's been so long now that I could not avoid spoilers. And I know who gets sent home, and I'm pissed. Wasn't Alaska yes. tweeting about it? I haven't been keeping up, but isn't there some it's been days and i still can't watch it and at this point i could have just illegally downloaded it and i'm really mad that i paid for the thing that's irritating because it was supposed to be released days ago and i keep like every few minutes i'm like can i watch it now can i watch it now no release it the next day they're supposed to and they just haven't they just haven't what the hell and i i need to know because i kind of know what happened and i need to know Damn. This is not the week to fuck with me, Amazon. Seriously, we're all stuck inside. All we I could have really used this. Yeah, is our stream our show's streaming. That's all we want. Yeah. I paid extra money to get this thing. It's important to me. Where is it? I wanna be like that person, like that old man whose newspaper doesn't get delivered like one day and just like totally loses it. It's like calling every day, complaining and like sir, writing long letters. Sir, yeah. It's negative twenty out, sir. <laughs> sir No, I'm that person, but about drag race all stars. Like, I need to know why they were sent home. Oh my goodness. Um I do have a podcast related update and oh, that well, is that's that probably our, more important. If you're a patron, our first coloring sheet went out. <gasps> I loved seeing people. I want to encourage sheet. everyone. So some people have colored the sheets and then posted about them either on Facebook or on Instagram. I want to encourage you to tag us if you've colored our coloring sheets. Liz designed the first one. It's Robbie Stacky. Uh, if you want to see a preview, you can go on our Instagram. Yeah, it's I colored amazing. one to show to show the world. It's it's brilliant. So please tag us if you post a photo of your perhaps it's you coloring sheet. It's been such a delight. I, I know that some people spent their polar vortex time inside coloring. Yeah, that's so awesome. Our coloring I sheet, and that's amazing. So definitely post it. You'll get them emailed to you. Liz is painstakingly manually emailing everyone in the new tiers oh no that's Patreon not true sucks oh did you figure out a way to do it no not really but you'll get a message through 
Patreon and it, it gives you a link. Okay. So that's how it'll work. Because otherwise I was afraid that it would end up in people's like spam or whatever. Oh, good point. Good point. So that's where they are. Yeah. Let me know if you have any problems with that, but it Perfect. seems like it's been working so far. Yeah. We, you know, we don't really know what we're doing. So if you got your coloring sheet, if you didn't get your coloring sheet, please let us know. Uh, and then I'm working on the one for February, which is going to be Hero Dog Mustache. Yes. I can't wait to color that one. And yeah. Yeah, that would be up next. I think that's... If you pledged this month, then you'll get that one, too. Yep. Right? Does that make sense, what I just said? Okay, we... If you're following along at home, we're on season three, episode 13 on Amazon Prime. Episode 14 on Amazon Prime. Oh, I totally wrote down 13. (laughs) It's 14. Last week was lucky number 13. Brought to you by our evil overlords, Amazon, who will not fucking give me Drag Race (laughs) All-Stars on time. God damn it, Amazon. Damn it. Is that the worst of their many abuses? I'm going to go with yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait. No, it's not. They're terrible in every way, including that. So there's three... Sponsor us, Amazon. Mysteries in this episode. And I only Uh, like your first one. Yeah, the first one's fine. It's actually mysterious and interesting. The rest of them are trash. Okay. So this is... (laughs) So. (laughs) Hope you like this episode. Settle in. This is an unexplained death. On Wednesday, December 25th, 1985, after completing her shift at a local hospital, Debbie Wolf of Fayetteville, North Carolina, left work, presumably heading home. According to Debbie's mother, Jenny Edwards, the next morning, Debbie should have been at work. She had to be at work at eight. Debbie did not go to work. Debbie did not answer her telephone, and it wasn't like her at all. She I never read missed work. This children's story. Debbie did not go to work. <laughs> Debbie did not answer her phone. This is that was a direct quote. Debbie that's has, really how her mom talks. Debbie has dropped off the grid. <laughs> Debbie no longer loves you. Debbie has been murdered. Debbie okay. has been murdered. <laughs> All right, so Debbie lived in a remote area. Look for a new children's book. What happened to Debbie? <laughs> Debbie did not answer the phone. A grim, Debbie but... could not be found. <laughs> I told you, we've been trapped inside. It's been too long. We're Look. losing it. So Debbie lived in this remote cabin, basically, in the woods. Um, and she seemed cool, I'll say. She, yeah. She, she was seemed... a nurse. She had some dogs. Yeah. She hated the dudes at her work mm-hmm. and rightfully so she spent all her time shooting guns at a metal barrel <laughs> sure i don't know why not so debbie's parents and a family friend named kevin gordon gorton gorton that sounds like a some an alien's name gorton yeah i am kevin gorton <laughs> not, like not the, the, Ke- not like the kevin f- part just gorton <laughs> no, i don't think an alien would be named kevin I'm, with my mind i pictured my name is Kevin. If I buy that picture, an alien that's like clearly an alien, but has put like a wig on and is trying to pretend to be a human. I am Kevin, normal human here for human things. <laughs> it is Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> right? Exactly. I'm I am not from sport. Planet Gorton. I'm here for the sports ball. <laughs> Where is the guacamole? That's how I talk, though. <laughs> I told this story in the art her Facebook group, which is that I once went to a Super Bowl party specifically because I wanted to eat guacamole. Good enough reason. Am I the person at a party who will fucking sit down by the food table and eat the entire bowl of guacamole? Maybe it's happened. Look, it's meant to be eaten. All right. Cannot confirm or deny. But I go to the Super Bowl party. 
the Bears were playing. I was supposed to care. I don't know. I just wanted guacamole. They had chairs lined up three deep in front of their television. That's not okay. Like bleacher. Like somehow they there was, was a not platform. Even comfortable. They, no, it was like folding chairs, like three deep. Like you're supposed to just sit there straight backed watching the game. Like I couldn't you get to the kitchen because of the chairs to even see if there was guacamole. I just Irish goodbyed five minutes in. <laughs> I just I, out. I like looked at Mac like I was gonna cry, and then just Mal was like, "I'm leaving." <laughs> but I, seriously, I think I had like tears. I was like, "I can't do this. <laughs> I gotta go." And I yeah. took the, hop, the bus home and watched Mystery Science Theater instead. And amazing. I stand by that decision. That's a do not one. throw a Super Bowl party where people cannot get to the guacamole. And you make them sit in folding chairs like it's church. <laughs> I apparently people actually like cared. I Whatever. I can't relate. <laughs> Okay, so Kevin Debbie did not go to work. So Kevin Gorton oh, and Debbie's parents head over to her house, which was an isolated cabin four miles outside of Fayetteville. He's losing it. I don't think he pronounces his name Gorton, but that's how it's spelled. Oh, whatever. Why isn't it with a D? It's G O R T O N. Why isn't it a D? I don't know. Gorton. Gordon. I don't remember. I watched this this morning. Maybe I don't it's for people like me that pronounce T's and D's the same way, so it doesn't matter. Maybe. Either way, it's going to be Gordon. <laughs> so they were surprised because they knew that Debbie took good care of her pets, but they said, we looked around and we saw beer cans lying all over the yard. Her dogs had not been fed. There was a uniform laying on the floor in the kitchen and other things were flown thrown all over the floor. It seems like maybe she just took off her uniform and like threw it down. I don't really know what they were. They were I think about, she but. was supposed to be very neat. Yep. So they were like, she would not just leave these beer cans around. She didn't even drink, which you have to be a little bit skeptical when family members are saying that, but whatever. Right. And then they're saying she wouldn't just take off her clothes and leave them in the middle of the kitchen. Like, mm-hmm. would I? Yes, that would not be a clue. But apparently for this person, if she's just stuff is just thrown willy nilly, then not like her, her family was like. Actually, she was really annoying about being neat, so what's this? Well, and she, her dogs normally roamed around outside unsupervised, but they hadn't been fed, which was not like Debbie. She took very good care of her pets. Um, Also, Debbie's purse was not in its usual place. Kevin found it shoved underneath her bed. Which is really weird. Yeah, why would it? Especially if you're really neat. That's not something you do. Just shove your purse. I have enough trouble finding my purse when I literally just set it down. (laughs) If it's under my bed, I would like shove way back under my bed. Yeah, I'll I'll find it in like three years when I finally get the dust bunnies out from under there. There was an also an odd message on Debbie's answering machine, which had been recorded earlier that same day. A man from the hospital was calling to see how Debbie was doing. He mentioned that she had missed many days of work. This made no sense to Debbie's mother, as in her words, she said, "What concerned me about his message was that he said that she had." missed a lot of days of work, but she hadn't. In fact, she had only missed a few hours of work at the time that we were there. So this is weird because they saw Debbie like the previous day, so she had not missed work, and it had only been a couple of hours. This is how I interpret that. So we learn that this guy is a volunteer at the hospital. Mm -hmm. He's kind of a creeper. Yep. Illustrating life as a woman, Debbie had two creepers at her work. They were both volunteers and both would, like, not leave her alone. And she kept telling them, you know, like, oh, I'm not interested. Either I have a boyfriend or... She was just, you know, saying stuff to hopefully get them to leave her alone. Yep. I think this guy thought she had missed work because she was avoiding him. Could be. That's very possible. Either he's 
the killer and for some reason that's what he said but that doesn't really make sense to me i think she was just avoiding him and he couldn't imagine that that was possible so he's like i haven't haven't seen her her. she must have missed work it's like no she doesn't want to see you i didn't think about that when i watched this episode but that is very possible because yeah he was a huge creep so the search continued outside the cabin and around a nearby pond there were no signs of debbie Debbie's mother called the sheriff's office and was told they would investigate only after Debbie had been missing for three days. Which, but what the fuck five is that? days passed before authorities began a full-scale search. These, I'm just going to say it, the authorities in this town sucked. Oh, yeah. They were the worst, and we're going to hear from the sheriff in a second, but yeah. Not, so they, they told Debbie's family that they had to wait three days, which is ridiculous, because ridiculous. we know from that show 48 Hours that if she's dead... Or kidnapped or something, you got a very narrow window of time to solve the crime. If police, if you're ever trying to make a missing person report and they're like, oh, 48 hours have to go by, that's not like law or something. That's their fucking policy. Yeah. Like they've chosen to do that because they don't want to look into every call or whatever. If they're saying, oh, three days have to go by, which is the longest I've ever heard, that's their decision. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no reason why they couldn't have started investigating this right away. And in reality, they waited five days before even it's beginning disgusting. to search. So they said, um, I believe this is Debbie's mother. They searched the cabin. Later that afternoon, they brought the bloodhounds out, but they couldn't find anything. They then walked around the edge of the pond, um, but that was pretty much all they did. Captain, oh, this is Captain Jack Watts of the Cumberland County Sheriff like Department. This fucking Mike Pence. He is the worst um yeah he says i think it was mentioned that they had already looked in the pond there was no use for us to look in the pond so i didn't think we needed to do a dive of the pond or a complete search of the pond on that day so we didn't her parents never said they looked in the pond how would they they're just people Did they wade into it themselves it's completely would, ridiculous it's like well i thought the family had their own dive team that doesn't make any sense no but what they did do was hire someone to dive in the pond because the sheriff's department refused to do it so jenny edwards which again is debbie's mother decided to hire her own divers and on january 1st 1986 kevin gorton and another friend <laughs> this is why this is confusing because kevin gorton's friend is gordon childress so we have a gorton and oh, a gordon okay. uh they returned to the pond both men were familiar with rescue work. Childress dragged the pond looking for evidence. According to Kevin, he was in the water approximately two minutes when he called out to me and told me that he had found what looked like a set of footprints and a drag mark. In fact, according to Gordon Childress, he found two sets of footprints pressed into the thick mud along with drag marks. Once he went down under the murky water, it wasn't long before he came across a body. His quote is, it was inside of what looked like a burn barrel. That's a rusty 55-gallon oil drum type thing with holes in it. Okay, think, I just want you to keep in your mind how specific that description is. And her family knew that a barrel like this existed on the property because a lot, they said a lot of people use barrels like that to burn things in. What they used it for was target practice. So they specifically remember going to her house on a regular basis to shoot guns at this rusty barrel. Sure, makes sense. Very specific. Keep that in mind. So the police were called to the scene. The dead woman was identified as Debbie Wolf. The coroner conducted or concluded that she had drowned. An autopsy revealed no trace of drugs, no alcohol in her system, and no signs of foul play. Kevin Gorton does not believe that Debbie's death was the result of drowning. He Neither says, do I, Gorton. A typical coroner drowning would be eyes open, mouth open, hands and arms in a very like clawed state, as if she was fighting for her life. 
which was quite to the contrary of what Debbie looked like. Her eyes were closed, her mouth was closed, her arms were in a relaxed state, her whole body was relaxed, she looked like she was just asleep. I don't know if this is true at all. I don't believe that she drowned by accident, but I'm not sure what Gorton's credentials are. I don't know what someone who who drowns looks like, but maybe this is true. The reason that... Yeah, that, I, that's not proof to me one way or the other. What I do find super weird is the police were like, well, she was probably just playing with her dogs and fell in and drowned and then was in like the middle of the lake in a barrel. Yep, this is what Captain Jack Watts says. Her dogs were running loose when the family members in the sheriff's department first met over there. Possibly she was playing with the dogs and fell in. And drowned. And ended, and ended up, up in a barrel. In the middle of the pond. Yeah, okay. th- see, that makes no, absolutely no sense. And they, like I said, they found, if maybe if she was super drunk, I might believe that, but she had no trace of drugs or alcohol in her system at all, according to the coroner. So I don't know how you just fall into a pond and accident, it makes no sense. Yeah, no. So as the investigation continued, Debbie's mother, Debbie's mother said that the police began to deny that Debbie's body had been found inside of a barrel. I asked one of our friends who was there, I said, what happened? Do they have the barrel? And they said, no, they decided to leave it in the pond. They'll get it in the morning. The next day, they went back to get the barrel, and they said that the barrel was gone. All of a sudden, it didn't exist. The same barrel that had been there the night before. This is what Captain Jack says. In my opinion, and the opinions of some of the investigators, what appeared to be a barrel to some of the divers could have been Debbie's jacket, which may have ballooned out as she was laying at that angle in the bottom of the pond. Uh-huh. Yeah, because so a jacket looks like a very distinctive... Rusty, specific size... Barrel with holes in it. And also, what then happened to the barrel that was on her property? Hmm, great question. So Gordon Childress is certain of what he saw. He says, there is no doubt in my mind, I'm 100% positive that it was an old burn barrel or something of that nature. You know, a metal rusted 55 gallon type drum. That's what the body was in. So. Ugh, horrible. Jenny Edwards then recalled that a barrel she had seen near Debbie's cabin. She said, I went over to the spot where the barrel was and the barrel was gone. The indentation of the barrel was still there on the ground, but the barrel was no longer there. Then a few months later, Jenny discovered another inconsistency. When I got a chance to examine the clothes that were on Debbie's body, I looked at them very carefully and realized that those were not Debbie's clothes. The pants were very, very too big for Debbie. The bra cup size was three sizes too large for her and three sizes too big around. The shoes Debbie wore were ladies size seven and the ones we received were a men's size six, which winds up to be about three sizes too big. Yeah. So I think her mother would know. Yep. And I don't know if the quote is in here, but the sheriff talking about the clothes basically said, we we don't have any idea what kind of clothes she was wearing. That's up to the family. Like, yeah, it was, the, so, it was so strange. It was so dismissive. Yeah, the body was handed over to you. Don't you have any? you gave the, like, your coroner, like, this is your responsibility. You have custody of the body. Like, There's the a chain of custody for this reason. If the family yeah. received the wrong clothes, that is the fault of your department. And you can't just be like, we don't know. The family knows that. It was ridiculous. I don't understand why they did not give a fuck. I No conspiracy. Like, sometimes in these cases, there's conspiracy theories put forward about, like, drug running and things and the local police no, being they, involved. They were literally I like, saw none of this. She tripped they and just, fell in a pond and drowned. It seems like they're just bad at their job. Like, and I, I can't up, find any other explanation. And ended up in a barrel. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, um... 
Debbie's family became convinced that she had been murdered. One of Debbie's responsibilities at work was coordinating the hospital volunteers. According to Jenny Edwards, there was a volunteer at the hospital that wanted to become romantically involved with Debbie. Debbie discussed this with everyone, including him, and told him that she would be his friend, but nothing else. Jenny's mother is convinced that this was the man who called Debbie the day after she disappeared, expressing concern that she had been missing from work. Captain Watts says that the man was investigated, and he says anyone that the family requested we talk to or interview, we tried to interview. Of course, through the information we tried to interview, through these interviews, there was nothing there that we could use in any criminal prosecution, or there was nothing there that would indicate to us that this was a homicide. If anybody sees this Mike Pence-looking motherfucker, could you just slap him for me? That'd be great. So Jenny Edwards said that the volunteer had since left the area. He was investigated by the sheriff's department the night that the body was brought to the surface. However, he provided an alibi and refused to take a polygraph, so he wasn't questioned any further. He left several days after that to go out of state, what really happened to Debbie Wolf? Her mother believes that she was taken hostage and then murdered. She Ugh. believes that later someone returned to the pond to remove the barrel so that the death would not would seem accidental. She says there are people out there who know what happened to Debbie, and I'm hoping that they will come forward and finally say something. She was loved by very many people, and I think that she has a right to be put to rest finally, and I'd like to do that. So this is one of those cases where you don't get an update and you get really mad and you yell at your TV because God damn it. I want justice for Debbie. And I, I don't think there was an update. No, there wasn't. I, no one knows. I don't know if, I don't know how you would even find out because this police department sucks. I, I have to wonder if it's someone in the police department or connections to the police department because they did not seem interested in solving Mm -hmm. this at all. And I don't understand why they, they made less than minimal effort to even search for her or to do anything really so it makes me wonder if it's someone with connections or it's i don't know because they they did such a bad job yeah and i just looked at the unsolved mysteries wiki and sometimes they have extra information and this one doesn't just a really sad case so her murder was Never solved it. It didn't really seem like the local authorities wanted to solve it, so... Uh, It's very frustrating. It's extremely frustrating because there's a lot of indications of foul play. And it's so unfortunate that the family had to hire their own divers to go, like... ridiculous. And then all the evidence they found, like the drag marks, the footprints, they said they were there for a few days, but then by the time the police got around to looking in the pond, it was like, well... I'm sure they walked right over them. Yeah. Because they didn't care. And they didn't do anything to preserve the crime scene. They didn't do anything to investigate anything. Nope. They weren't really even concerned about the fact that she was missing. And then when they found her body, it was like, well, damn, I guess we got to do something now. And they did the bare minimum. So I hope her ghost haunts them forever. I will say the reenactments for this segment, it was very much like a first 48 or like a Mm -hmm. um, forensic files, like... They put a, like, they're stepping up their reenactment game. I thought they were very good. So I thought they were good, too. And I don't know if the family was in the reenactments. I I think it gives you a very good sense of her property, what the family found. And -hmm. and that gives you a sense of how little the police department did. And it really, so you, when watching the reenactment, especially of when they dived in the river, you, for me, at least, I got a really good sense of how hopeless they probably felt because it was yeah, just it was just her family murky. there yeah. alone and their family friend who was a diver is looking in the pond the police aren't there to support them and then they find their daughter's body 
it's like could you imagine how horrible that would feel like the authorities aren't don't care we had to hire these people we're here alone trying to figure out what happened to our daughter like so the reenactments did a really good job of conveying that and it's just a really sad story so i hope they watched this and they felt deep horrible shame for at the very least doing a terrible job i'm sure they didn't but yeah yeah well they deserve the worst um, poke this guy in the eye if you see him. Yeah, please He's do. Still alive. Okay, I also have an unexplained death, but it's a little different because it takes past place in the old timey past. Oh, sure does. It's in a way, it's two mysteries. So we have a woman who is searching for what happened to her grandmother, who got on a train one day and was never seen again. But it's also the mystery of this unmarked grave by some railroad tracks, and whether or not those things are related. It's also a mystery of why that historian thought that facial hair was a good idea. Yes. The, so kind of three mysteries. The biggest mystery. I forget what his name was, but I know he was a historian. Did you draw his facial hair? I didn't, actually, but clearly he's the winner, and we'll just call that uh, the terrible mistake. It almost looks like... The biggest like mystery of all... The thing? The th- we'll call it the <laughs> we thing. We call it the thing. It's wild. We'll get there. It's... <sighs> It looks like he stuck his finger in a wall socket and his beard just like, you know, in those cartoons where your hair stands on it, it's like his beard did that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. You could like make that into a topiary. (laughs) There's like so much going on there. There's a lot of material to work with. Follow us on Instagram. I'll post a photo. Oh my God. Okay. So the the first mystery of the three is the the case of Conradina. Conradina. Okay. Okay. The first mystery of the three. Did her parents want a boy to name Conrad? I think so. a girl came out, so they named her Conradina? The first is the case of Conradina Olson, who in 1910 boarded a train in Brookfield, Wisconsin. And we see her in this hilarious pink... Do we need that outfit? It is bad. (laughs) It is like something that would be in a low-rent My Fair Lady. It's like very lace full coverage but like tight that hat man with a gigantic hat it, it's yeah they have a little mini outfit for her daughter in the reenactment it's it's definitely something that would be in a musical and i pretty much hate it and we see her at the train station saying goodbye to her four children even though she's just going away for the day farewell children oh, will you survive 24 hours without mama who knows and then she asks her oldest son if he wants to come with and he's like nah i'm gonna stay around here play video games he pretty much does say nah nah i want to drink mountain dew and try to touch boobs and she's like okay very well farewell farewell i have a doctor's appointment in milwaukee and i will return the next day sadly she was never seen again and for the rest of her life rest of his life her oldest son edwin blamed himself for staying home to play video games and not getting on the train with his mother, even though poor Edwin, even though it's not your fault, Edwin. They didn't have video. Games. I know that's not. I don't. I don't know what kid would have. He wanted to swing that, roll that hoop with that stick down the road. <laughs> he was going to play horseshoes. I don't know why. Sure, he didn't want to go to Milwaukee. Well, Hated Milwaukee. Well, that's Edwin's business. So, in 1983, over 70 years later, Edwin's daughter. Geneva Olson is doing genealogical research on her family. Who isn't? Yeah, and she wants to know what happened to Conrad the lady. <laughs> Conradina. Oh, God. 
who is married to 33-year-old Carl Olson, a railroad coachman. Uh, so guess what? Not a happy marriage. Mm, shocking. Geneva reminds us at the time that if you had an unhappy marriage, there was really fuck all you could do about it except get on a train, start a new life. Because <laughs> you couldn't get divorced. Yep. And she wasn't sure how bad the marriage was, but it was like bad. Okay. Um, it was like bad. It was like bad. The reenactment made it seem real bad. He's just like screaming at her a lot, and she's sitting in an overstuffed chair looking sad. Yeah. That's the reenactment. Because she says she hasn't found any evidence that he was physically abusive. And my evidence is that it was fucking 1910. <laughs> it would be more unlikely that he wasn't physically yeah, abusive. Yeah, that would be like weird, and people might write about that in the newspaper. <laughs> Man does not hit wife. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> uh, so that's my evidence. I don't know. Okay. So she has this amazing gift shop. Geneva does. I hope the reenactment is really her store. And goddamn, do I want to go there. Do you think it's still around? And it still sells the same merchandise, which seem to be entirely beaded plant hangers and those sort of strange statuesque tchotchkes you win at carnivals. <laughs> I need to go there. It was just like fiberglass frogs and things made out of beads and macrame and that seemed to be all she fucking sold and the store was huge i think the podcast studio could use some decorations that might be a good use of some patreon dollars <laughs> i take a trip to geneva's store i have buy never wanted to do anything more i have this like weird pig bank that i got at a thrift store that's like my prized possession that has this like my brother says it has like a weird whorish face like it has like <laughs> makeup really like looks like it's it's strange looking i hope people understand the sort of thing that i'm talking about that's all this woman seemed to sell but anyway a woman comes in one day and says that she is looking for a pegasus which is the sort of errand sure. i would like to go on sure because she is a psychic and she would like a pegasus for her psychic shop have you ever watched that reality show about atlas obscura no. You know they have a reality show? It's extremely staged, but they literally will just be standing there. Like, <laughs> the, the director's like, okay, you two stand there, and they'll have some scripted conversation, and then some weirdo will walk through the door and be like, I need an alligator tongue today. <laughs> like, well, you're in luck. That's, is it always me? <laughs> it's just like me wearing disguise, like mustaches and top hats, and I'm coming in and going, hello there, I need an alligator tongue. And they were like, weren't you just in here looking for a Pegasus? <laughs> and, a, and a macrame plant hanger and a fiberglass frog. Like, we're on you. <laughs> anyway, before Geneva can ask the psychic any questions, the psychic says, you want to ask me about your grandmother, don't you? Which I bet psychics say that all the time. I'm sure they say that to everyone they meet on the street. Geneva was like blown away by this. And I was like, Geneva, calm down. <laughs> And uh, the psychic asks if she has anything of her grandmother's in the store. And for some reason, not only does she have a picture of her grandmother, she has her wedding certificate there. At the store? Yes. Does she live at the store? I don't know. Or she just had her stuff from her research with her. I don't know. It's odd. All right. So she hands those over to the psychic. And the psychic claims that she has visions of a woman boarding a train. Surprise, surprise. It's 1910. (laughs) What do you think she's going to do? <laughs> Take a plane? I don't yeah. Know. Of course she got on a train. Of course she got on a train. And even if she didn't, how would you know? 
Yeah, exactly. You couldn't prove. Uh, actually, my grandmother never went on a train. She was born and died in a one-room farmhouse, and she never went anywhere. Like, yep. you wouldn't fucking know. Okay, so she also sees children crying okay. again. That's never happened before. Guess what children will do from time to time? Uh, a fight between a man and a woman. What? Near a railroad track. Okay. Which also, guess where people used to live? Yeah, near railroad tracks. <laughs> That's how you got around. It's like I live near a street. Yeah. How do you think there used to be a good and a bad side of the tracks? Because that's where people were living. Anyway. Bless her heart. Geneva's very moved by this interaction. And the psychic tells her that her grandfather, Carl, knew what happened. At which point, Geneva's like, oh, I don't want to think it was him, but... Also, it's probably him. But I don't want to think that my grandfather killed my grandmother, even though he most certainly did. <laughs> okay. So she interacts with the psychic more. She gets some more clues. One of the clues is that she's going to receive several letters in the mail. And that in those letters, she would be able to determine the year she went missing, which I swear to fucking Christ, she already knew. I'm sure she did. Okay. <laughs> she's been research. She's been doing genealogical research on her family. Also, How would she not already her know? Her father that? is haunted by her going missing and doesn't know what. We're not even saying what day. What year that took place in? Yeah, come on. Did that happen when you were 17 or 18, kid? When did you never see your mother again? Yeah. Okay. But the letters are going to show up and then she'll know. Okay. What sure. year it was. Sure. Uh huh. And, yeah, and that she was buried in an unmarked grave surprisingly just a few weeks later the first prediction came true what and she received a bunch of old letters and photographs and they don't really explain where these came from but according to unsolved mysteries wiki they were sent by her nieces and nephews probably because they heard she was doing this research yes and the letters told her that yes there were troubles in the marriage and that she disappeared in 1910 a thing we already knew and so she ends up writing to a newspaper to describe her search, which, man, oh, man, slow news day. <laughs> Woman doesn't know what happened to grandmother. Like, all right. all right. Okay. And so she hears about this unmarked grave, which is near railroad tracks in Ellis, Missouri, and that according to local legend, a fashionably dressed woman got off the train in Ellis. She was seen arguing with a man. They walked down the tracks to have their levels quarrel, and then only the man walked back. And then I guess they just buried her there. Yeah, they ended up finding a dead body. The woman's body was discovered along the railroad tracks. She had been murdered, and there was nothing to identify her. And so, railroad workers buried her and have been maintaining the grave ever since. The only problem is that this is not her grandmother, because no. this historian with insane facial hair comes on to tell you that the grave dates back to at least 1888. Yeah. And that she didn't disappear until 1910. And Geneva is still like, no, it's her. I just know it. It was also much, the body of the, they, the people who found the body described her as being much younger than her grandmother was as well. Oh, she was the, the like woman. Like early 20s. Her grandma was in her late 30s. Yeah. It's, it's not her. She, I think, just wants to think that it's her to have some closure on this. But it's clearly not. It's, it seems likely to me that if there were. Her grandma maybe did just get on a train to go start a new life away from her abusive husband. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I think the kids don't want to think that because that means that they got left, but... Could have been what happened. Maybe 
she got killed in Milwaukee. Maybe there was a horrible accident and they weren't able to identify her body. Like, mm-hmm. communication is not great in 1910. That news might never get back to you. So, in the end, Geneva suspects that it was her grandfather, but she doesn't really know. And she hopes that really she just left voluntarily to escape an abusive marriage. Um, it's proven that she is not the person in the unmarked grave. The person in the unmarked grave might be someone named Lula King, but that has not been confirmed. So that is still a mystery. I want to know if her dad is still alive and if he is what he thinks about her theory that his dad followed his mother on the train and then killed her. I thought it was very strange that he is not included in the segment at all. Yeah, he just... Maybe he's not... They don't say that he's dead, so maybe he's just not into this research. Yeah. I, I mean, it was haunting him. Right. But maybe, in a way, he it was better not to know. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Um, I think that's all that I have written down here. And then we get into your mystery that I can barely follow, and I'm pretty sure this woman is trying to figure out what happened to her father comma a terrorist so yeah this is gonna be the worst job i've ever done on this podcast okay everybody you know everybody you have to give samantha a break because it's her fucking birthday and also what do you care super bowl something something just go distract go do something else right now so i'm (laughs) so this is from these are not my notes this is from unsolved wiki because i didn't take notes on this one because honestly i was watching this this morning my eyes were glazing over and i was like what is this i was looking at my phone i could barely follow it and i was like mac could you please come on and explain this and he was like i don't know what this is (laughs) i'm not gonna do your work for you except he said it much nicer than that and i was like oh fine so god you don't even love me yeah so here we go jeffrey i'm pretty sure this woman's father is a terrorist but go on was a commercial pilot who left an airship in waterbury connecticut on september 23rd 1963 He told his wife that this would be his last flight because he was going to stop being involved in such operations. However, four days later, he disappeared with a man named Alexander Rourke somewhere over the Caribbean. Rourke had first hired Jeffrey in 1961. I keep wanting to say Joffrey, like our nemesis, (laughs) because that's how his name is spelled. I believe it's pronounced Jeffrey. That's an aside. So, Rourke had first hired Jeffrey in 1961 as a pilot to fly covert anti-Castro missions for the CIA. Okay. Do you think he's actually doing this for the CIA? I don't, I or that he's just so. a nut? I think he's probably... I think he's just wacko. I think that's probably true. I don't know that he's actually working for the CIA. So I think he's just like, we got to get Castro, guys. And they sort yeah. of band together as a motley crew. Yeah, and maybe and the CIA know about it, knew about it, and we're like, whatever, you do you. If you kill Castro, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Not our problem. That's the CIA's motto. It's the CIA. You do you. I don't know. This is so convoluted. Unsolved Mysteries does not do a good job of laying this, this out. This is one of their most terribly produced segments so, because I could really barely follow it. Yep. So later that same year, the unsuccessful Bay of Pigs invasion occurred. After that occurred, the CIA began conducting their missions much, much more secretly. And these were the missions that Jeffrey and Alex were involved in, allegedly. You know what I don't the, know where this information came the from. The great, great things about this nation is that we talk about democracy a lot and then decide that 
we should decide how other governments work mm-hmm. a thing that we would never ever ever let happen to us so um yeah we just decide we don't like castro that's not how cuba should be and obviously that's up to us to determine Yep. So, however, the U.S. government soon released a public warning, issuing people like Jeffrey and Alex to s- stop their anti-Cuba operations. Stop trying to, as a civilian, like, make your own war. <laughs> stop your anti-Cuba operations. Hey, Samantha, could you trop- stop trying to overthrow Canada already? <laughs> Just to get the cheesy supplies going straight to your house. Take us, Canada. Yes, please. 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 We want out. Please. We want to... Is it defect? Sure. Well, no, people in the military do that. We just want to... How can we get the state of of Minnesota to just become... Secede. Yes, we want to secede. Into Canada. Into Canada. Just... Yeah, pop Although, right up there. I think secede means you're your own nation. We don't want that. We just want to join Canada. <laughs> yeah, we want to switch teams. Yeah. Can you do... Is, is this like that ball? <laughs> Can you just do that? Can you? Just oh, put on a different uniform? Canada. <laughs> is that possible? I wish. All right, so... We already have a Tim Hortons here. Doesn't that make us, like, basically Canada? I think so. I think it's so. It's as cold as Canada, so... I would... I would salute Tim Hortons way before I would salute the flag. How dare you? <laughs> Am I going to be bitter about that on my fucking deathbed? You betcha. <laughs> this podcast said they'll never salute the flag. One star. <laughs> All right. Everybody, be sure to give us five star reviews. Stop on- your anti-American operation. Yeah, well... That's never. At least I'm not buying bombers and (laughs) deciding myself to go overthrow governments. All right. Eight days after this warning was issued, Jeffrey and Alex left Connecticut. The next day, (laughs) I bet they didn't mean us though. We should really go ahead with this terrorist operation. They arrived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where they met two men. One of the men was Frank Sturgis, who would later become involved in the Watergate scandal. So he was a stand-up dude all around. Sturgis said that. Alex told him that he had a B-25 bomber and that he was planning to take it to Nicaragua, which would become what? a base of operation for bombing people? missions on Cuba. Oh these are just, God. yeah, rogue. I don't know that they had any connection. They claim to have a connection to the CIA. I don't think that's true. I think they're just like fucking, yeah, terrorists. I think they're just terrorists. And then this woman's like, I just want to know what happened to him, my father. And I was like, bitch, he's dead. <laughs> I'm sorry. He tried to overthrow He tried Cuba. to overthrow a foreign government. Guess what? They didn't just send him home. Yeah. He's dead now. Rourke soon rented an airplane, and the next day, his wife picked up an unidentified man and took the five men to the local airport. Jeffrey, Alex, and the mystery man boarded the rented plane, while Sturgis, his companion, and Alex's wife stayed behind. For unknown reasons, the plane returned to Fort Lauderdale at least three times. <laughs> Because they were not good at this. The last time, the landing gear remained up and the controller instructed them not to land. Five hours later, they landed at North Perry (laughs) Airport, which was only 30 minutes away. (laughs) 
Actually, we're that good at flying planes. This is kind of just a comedy of errors. It's possible that they were not captured and killed. They might have just fallen into the sea. Possibly. It didn't seem that they were that good at flying. It doesn't sound like they have any idea what they're doing. The reenactment really shows like the air traffic controller being like, uh, don't land. Your landing gear is not down. And they're like, oh, sorry. And they just fly away. <laughs> <laughs> they don't try again. <laughs> Like, bye <laughs> have you ever like <laughs> I don't know if this has happened to anyone else but especially when I was first driving and like wasn't totally sure how all gas stations worked if you pull up to a gas station and like maybe you ha- you're supposed to lift the lever but you oh, can't sure. figure it out yes. and then you just get in your car and drive away because <laughs> you're too Totally. I've totally. Has that happened anywhere else? I once went to like a very like futuristic looking BP station. I was like, I how does any of this work? <laughs> Just pump gas now. I'm gonna go to the holiday down the road. Like, like, because wh- like everything was like so like streamlined. I was like, where's the fucking <laughs> lever, lever thing? thing? Where's the button? And then yeah, I was like, I don't want to be that woman that doesn't know how to pump gas, and I just drove away. Yep. Yeah, yep, yep. That's kind of what they did. <laughs> They're Bye. like, okay, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> we don't know how to fly planes. <laughs> At 1.30 p.m. the next day, the plane left again, scheduled to land in Honduras. However, two hours later, Jeffrey radioed Miami International Airport and told them that he was rerouting to Panama. Finally, at 10.22 p.m., Jeffrey said that he was once again rerouting the plane, this time to Belize. I don't know. These people do not know what they're doing. The FAA stated that Jeffrey refueled the plane in Cozumel around midnight. Do you remember how Robert Stack said Cozumel? I know no. it was wrong. It was like Cozumel or something. Oh. I was like, Robert Stack. Maybe he was talking about that restaurant by my parents. That was Cozumel. <laughs> mm, Maybe. They have great soup there. Maybe. So this was the last. <laughs> that was set. The most one person. Hi, Megan. One person will appreciate that reference to Cozumel's. <laughs> This was the last sighting of the plane, and despite a massive search, neither the plane nor the occupants were ever found. Over two decades later, his daughter Sherry, now a private investigator, began to search for her father's fate. She and her lawyer petitioned the government for information about Jeffrey. Except they don't have any, because he's working as, like, his own Jack Ryan. (laughs) He thinks he's in a Tom Clancy book. (laughs) Except that he doesn't know how to fly a plane. More than a third of the papers that she received from the FBI were censored. She believes that even more documents were withheld for national security reasons. It's probably the stuff they X'd out. It was just like, this dude is a fucking moron. (laughs) Like, we can't tell his daughter this. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye on him. He's going to be a disgrace to this nation. And they were like, "Mm, just black that part out when you send it to her. In the FBI documents, she found the name Floyd Park. She contacted Floyd, and he claimed that he had seen Jeffrey, Alex, and the unidentified man in Belize two days after they were last seen. However, Sherry was able to get little other information from Floyd, and she is uncertain of his true identity or his connection to her father. Okay, so useless. (laughs) The only other information... You know how I just go on tangents that have nothing to do with anything? Unsolved Mysteries is like, like, same. The only other information that she got from Floyd is that Jeffrey and Alex may have been taken prisoner in Cuba and that Fidel Castro was aware of their operations and placed a bounty on the two men. He probably was aware of their operations and laughed his fucking ass off. (laughs) 
He was like, this is not, if the, if the CIA, actual CIA cannot bring me down, these like three jokers are, and then Castro rented was alive for ages and like died peacefully mm-hmm. recently. So good job, everyone. In 1986, Sherry came in contact with Marty Casey, a journalist who was in Cuba in 1965. While in Cuba, a Cuban exile told him that he knew two men from the United States. One he called Rorky and the other Sullivan. Okay, that sounds like the name of some dogs, but <laughs> Rorky and Sullivan? That would be adorable. It would be really cute, actually. The man said that he was with the two men in, in a Cuban prison in 1963. Around the time... I feel like this is John King from our last mystery. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was in prison with them. It sounded a lot like that. We go by nicknames, though. I call them um, Rorky and Sullivan. (laughs) It's like, well, that's nothing like their names. It's like, well, well, the one guy was Rourke. Alexander Rourke. Well. And then Jeffrey Sullivan. So it was Jeffrey Sullivan and Alexander Rourke. So maybe. Fine. He also called them Preacher. I get it. So Sherry believes that the two men in the prison were her father and Alex Rourke. Another name that Sherry found in the FBI document was Enrique Molina Garcia. Garcia was supposedly a double agent for Castro's government. Sherry believes that Garcia was the mysterious unidentified man that flew with Jeffrey and Alex when they vanished. She believes that Garcia tricked them into flying to Cuba, where they were captured. Unconfirmed... That would be amazing if that's what happened. I mean, could be. Unconfirmed reports placed Garcia in Havana, Cuba, several years after Jeffrey and Alex vanished. Sherry Sullivan will not give up until she finds what truly happened to her father and Alex Rourke. So the results is this is unsolved. In 2003, a commemorative marker for Jeffrey was unveiled in the Veterans Memorial Cemetery in Augusta, Maine. In August 2009, a Marine court found Cuba guilty of the wrongful death of Jeffrey Sullivan. What this leaves out is that it was by default. I think that like Cuba didn't show up to the hearing or something and she just ended up winning. <laughs> And then there was a subsequent, like, wrongful death suit that got thrown out. So... Wrongful death? Of what? Her... Yeah, she sued Cuba, I think. Oh, my God. And there was, like, one article about, like, not that long ago, like, the relations with Cuba, like, got better. Sure. Like, whatever. So, things are improving as far as our relationship with Cuba goes, and she was, like, hoping that she would get more information, but it really doesn't seem like she's got any. But they were like, uh, didn't you try to sue us? (laughs) For literally no reason? Sherry believes now that her father was shot down by Cubans, was taken prisoner, tortured for at least a decade, and finally executed. For at least a decade? What is that based on? I don't know. In 2012, a federal court reversed the decision. Sherry is continuing to fight to get the case back in court in hopes to recover her father's remains. That's it. I don't know. I would like to put a disclaimer on everything I said talking about that segment that I literally have no idea what I'm talking about. Same. I read off Unsolved Mysteries Wiki, so take it up with them if I said anything wrong. Um, This segment was terrible, and it was extremely hard to follow, and I really had to Google... Like, I did do some minor Googling to, like, like, what the fuck is this about? Uh, No, it was was hot garbage. Nothing that was ever solved. It seems like she's holding out hope a lot, like... Our last episode, talking about the POWs, she was yeah. hoping that he was in a prison for years and that he would somehow be released. And that, yeah, for some reason, they're torturing him for 12 years. What? 
for what he doesn't have any information he is Why not worth you? torturing and i don't know if she's just othering the cubans right they're just evil sure and of yes. course they're torturing him for 12 years because they're monsters you know that's kind of what it sounds like, like because uh your dad flew to a foreign country to commit murder in reality why would you spend the resources torturing someone for 12 years yeah no why would you feed him for 12 years they don't like, care about him he's nobody n- yeah so i this is whatever i'm obviously she misses her father obviously it was very traumatic for her to lose him that's awful and i can understand why she would hold out hope that he was still alive but but this whole thing is weird it's bizarre and he's definitely not alive and it's quite possible that he just crashed his plane into the it ocean. doesn't sound like they had any idea what they were doing yeah so i, I don't feel know. like suing the cuban government is a really weird way to deal with your grief uh-huh and very misguided yeah so i don't know that was a weird bizarro i hope she finds some peace and can move on with her life what i think was left out of the unsolved mystery segment is that he uh, jeffrey sullivan was a veteran he was honorably discharged from i don't remember what branch of the military okay i don't know how that plays into this i think that's, I don't know what they're suggesting that he was doing contract work for the CIA or that they like he's like a, he's like a undercover spy it's an unofficial mission they can't put on the books where they're like we need you yeah. someone who has no idea what they're doing to buy this bomber and go to Cuba and try to kill Castro even though you can't even like put down your landing gears <laughs> yeah so okay i don't know and then there's like one i don't know vfw somewhere that considers him missing in action i'm not really sure what that was all about but i think it was just give him a little bit of honor but he wasn't in the military anymore no. and as far as i can tell it's not like confirmed that he was even working for the cia so i don't think he I'm not was, sure you can declare him missing i would in action, i love to blame the cia for anything but sure i think this I guy this... was a huge believer in right-wing propaganda and it got to him and it made him take some drastic weird actions mm-hmm. so and yes we'll blame mac for not being here to set yeah, us straight seriously mac said i probably wrong. said a bunch of bullshit that didn't even make sense or was wrong and it's all his fault <laughs> <laughs> who else can we blame for our yeah. our lack of research on this mac <laughs> our Hell. husbands we'll blame my husband too what is he did he help no exactly <sighs> we're all on our own here drinking our polar water and eating our baguette shaped like a heart all right such hardship should we rate this episode yeah it's gonna be bad the first one is mysterious it's pretty mysterious even this last one although it was bad was mysterious fine thumbs up man (laughs) you're so apathetic fine fine whatever thumbs Uh, up i'm gonna give it a thumbs up for reenactments too i think i think the reenactments actually they were really good. good you can tell unsolved mysteries is stepping up its game I think the last segment is so poorly done that maybe that is, doesn't count, but the first one was so good. So, yes, thumbs up. Fashion. There was actually some good fashion. Yeah. The daughter in the last mystery had some great fashion. Mm-hmm. I loved her perm. The I loved... mom in the first one, too. Her hair. Yes. There's a lot of hairspray in that hair. I did not Lots really like the Eliza Doolittle dress. <laughs> the that period we... clothing. No, that looked pretty cheap and terrible, but... Uh, the actual, like, 80s, 90s fashion gets a thumbs up. Sure. And Robert Stack? He was in, like, a marble hallway thing at the very mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we really got a lot of him. He sort of walks past pictures of Debbie at one point. <laughs> We're getting more, like, hallway walk-through enlarged photographs in this uh, season. Yeah. So, I don't know. Sideways? Sure. 
And out of a possible five Robert Stacks, I'm kind of low on this one, mainly because I couldn't even understand one of the mysteries. <laughs> there was only three. so confused. There was an unnecessary update about that woman that broke that uh, guy out of prison. Yeah, and they go to the motel, the so prison like, guard. Two and a half? I don't know. The first one was fine. I, I wish the first, the first one. one was in a better episode. Yeah. Because it des- the first one is a really good true crime story. It deserves better. Yeah, I, well, I would go with two and a half, because I think the rest of it is pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Just like that dude trying to invade Cuba. He's like, the Bay of Pigs failed. Well, I'll just do it myself. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, All right. Thank God that episode's over. Do you have a yeah. re- uh, recommendation? I think barely do. Okay. I was scratching my head. You could recommend those bowler waters in front of us. <laughs> I was fine. scratching my head trying to come up with a recommendation because I really felt like I had nothing. And I was like, well, maybe... Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> But then I realized, in the honor of the podcast, I should recommend Ooh. my favorite internet pup. Great idea. Who doesn't get nearly enough love, according to me. Ziggy the pup. Ziggy the pup. I'm looking. Yes. Dog. Is this a dog on Instagram? Yes. Ziggy the pup. All one thing, then underscore at the end. Ziggy. Who is kind of like a white speckled Lenny. Oh, this dog is so cute. Originally from El Paso. A quarter chihuahua. <gasps> this family moves around all the time. I think they're currently in Italy. They were in Hawaii for a while. And they, like, take this dog everywhere. He is so cute. He's got little, like, corgi legs. He but he's black is and white. so adorable. And sometimes I literally am, like, barely paying attention to my own dog. And I'm like, mm, what's Ziggy up to? I want to know where Aww. Ziggy is right now. And they post really great videos of Here's Ziggy. Here's him like, in Hawaii with his friend Han, the golden retriever. He is just the happiest little shaggy. I, I know. <laughs> Look at that little fluff. I love he him. He looks like a stuffed animal. I love he him so, so much. Cute. And somehow he has only like 200 followers. What? Okay. Our, our podcast is now following him. I just think he's the greatest. I found him because, oh, I should look this up. But this artist I like painted a painting of him and i was like that's the cutest dog in the whole world and she was like oh yeah that's my sister's dog that's how i found him and i just love oh ziggy i hope he is so cute but seriously they will take him to like pizzerias in italy and shit wow he is living the life yeah exactly i am like jealous of this dog's life (laughs) one for the dog's cuteness and also because it always seems to be somewhere cool Oh my goodness! I oh his Instagram says he's a public figure. <laughs> Ziggy the pup. So, what is he up to today? So but I, they update all the time too. I love finding new dogs to follow on Instagram. That's my favorite one of all of them. My the favorite best. cat. If anyone was wondering, what my favorite Instagram cat is Princess Monster Truck. She's great. But every, that's a much more famous one. This is a black cat that has like a vampire underbite and also the best name in the whole world. Have you heard of these cats called Kittlers that have Hitler mustaches? Oh. Like because they were born with that, you know, they have spots. Like I talked about because they're they're not, hateful not, white yeah. supremacists. <laughs> they call them Kittlers. No, poor cat. That's not their fault. I heard about that in the Vocal Fries podcast this week. It's not their fault that. No. Hitler decided to ruin the Charlie Chan mustache. Or not, yeah. uh, Charlie Chaplin mustache. And now the CDC has to call it the toothbrush on their infographics. Yeah, that We was, know what that is. That was a stretch. <laughs> we know what that is, CDC. You could yeah. have just left it off. The Hitler. The Michael Jordan doing a Hanes commercial mustache. <laughs> no one needs that. 
Oh, thank you for this delightful Instagram. So that can be like a little palate cleanser if you've had a bad yeah. week. If I haven't watched Abducted in Plain Sight yet, but I've heard it makes you quite angry. So maybe after watching that, you're going to need a little Ziggy the Pop. What a great recommendation. That's my recommendation. That's my my recommendation comes with a gift for you. What? But it's your birthday. I know, but I got you a gift. <laughs> As it should be. I wasn't sure how to obscure it so you wouldn't see it, so I wrapped it <laughs> in paper towels and put it in a plastic bag. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <gasps> what? <laughs> so I made Liz... Oh, my God! You can describe it. Samantha has made a cross-stitch. Okay, now I want you to close your eyes. <laughs> I want you to imagine the most perfect cross-stitch in the world. And it has two figures on it. And it says, perhaps it's you. It's not, it's not me and Samantha. It's obviously Robbie Stacky and Robert Stack. <laughs> so I talked about how I've gotten oh my really God. into cross-stitch this year. And for my birthday, I asked Travis to get me this book called Stitch People, which I hesitate to recommend because it's kind of expensive as far as book goes. books go. It's like $50. But it has everything you could possibly need to stitch anyone and so obviously my first project was robert stack (laughs) in a little trench coat and there's no aliens in this book unfortunately and yet they charge 50 dollars. it's a very wholesome book but (laughs) unlike aliens i I used the book to make a little green body and then i freehanded an alien head oh well you did a great job very proud of it this book is amazing it's i'm so impressed by the trench coat buttons (laughs) Those were I've never done French knots before, so that was my first attempt. I'm very impressed. I think impressed. they turned out pretty good. Um, it's like a spiral bound book. It's huge. It has a ton, like every hairstyle of a person you can think of. It teaches you. It also teaches you how to do it. So it's a little like, te- like it's very well written. It's very oh, easy to follow. Your back is so neat. Oh, thank you. Oh. It teaches you how to do like half stitches, quarter stitches. Um, I learned how to do the French knot by this book. I didn't even have to look it up on YouTube. It has ev- like yeah, every hairstyle you can think of. I wish I could make Robert Stack look a little older. He looks kind of young, but that's just kind of how all the faces look. Um, well, I mean, let's not be cruel. <laughs> adding in wrinkles and such. <laughs> um, it Aww. also has animals in it. So you can do little stitch people portraits and you can include your pets. So like it has, Ziggy. yeah, so you could do a portrait of Ziggy. It has cats and dogs, and it also has a selection of small critters, so guinea pigs, gerbils, lizards. Oh. Um, and it, it teaches you how to do curly hair. It gives you a lot of recommendations for, like, different colors of embroidery floss to do different skin tones, mm. different hair colors. It also includes a little description of um, colors you could choose for jeans. Um <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. I'm having so much fun. And I encourage you to look up if this is some, if you're into cross-stitch, which I only bring this up because a lot of people in our Facebook group said that they also cross-stitch, so I know you're out there. Um, the Stitch People like Instagram page, or you can just look for up a hashtag of Stitch People and just see the Who amazing Who are you going to make next? I don't know. I might make some gifts. And then I may make a... So I want to perfect this. I think I want to make Robbie Stacky a little lighter in color and then change a few things about Robert Stack. And I may either do a Patreon giveaway (sighs) or if I'm like really feeling up to it and have the time... I may stitch a bunch of them, and then it may be one of our super duper mysteries. Oh, that would be quite. I don't want to commit to it because if there's like a ton, I don't know what what number we're at as far as how many (laughs) super duper mystery solvers we have. It may be more than I can do, but I'm probably for sure at least going to make one more or two, a couple more, and do like maybe a 
a like a giveaway for our super duper that would be amazing super mystery solvers we'll see i had a lot of fun doing it and it was i i got it so i got my birthday was friday so it only took me like a couple hours to do that so very impressive yeah the book is really easy to hang it up in the podcasting room if you're looking for something to um put on your your wish list or save up your money for it. It is an expensive book, but it really has everything you need. And people make like a bu- businesses out of Stitch People. Yeah. Where you can go on, you, if you go on Etsy, you can send in your family portrait and get someone to stitch it for you and they use this book. Oh, that's pretty cool. They also have extra books. So they have the farm animal book, which has all, you know, llamas, pigs, chickens, cows, horses. <laughs> and they just are coming out with, I got an email because I signed up for their like extras or whatever. And I got an email that said they're coming out with like a backgrounds book. So you can oh. put your little stitch people on a beach or Interesting. whatever. In maybe space, I assume. Maybe. So, yeah, obviously I had to stitch Robert's deck when I saw there was a little trench coat in the book. Oh, my God. It's so good. Thank you. Of course. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone should give us a five-star review in iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. You should follow us on the social medias. At Perhaps It's You, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We do have a website, Perhaps It's You.com. There's a form there if you would like to send us your paranormal story. Mm-hmm. Or about a treasure you found. Yeah, Just sure. Tell us you like us. I don't know. Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah. Um, what else do we need to say? Patreon.com slash Perhaps It's You is where you can go to sign up to be a mystery solver, a super mystery solver, or a super duper mystery solver. Our most recent release was Hotel Hell. This month we're doing Ghost Adventures. Sure are. And... I think that's all I have. Is that all of our things? Sure. We probably forgot something. Whatever. Sure. But you should really get out there. Make a champagne float. Make or a champagne a polar float. Water float. Go outside in the freezing cold in your shorts and spaghetti tank top and solve some mysteries. Bitches. Do it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>